0: Bridge Toll, California customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon. Ford Focus. Thailand cave rescue operation. What is schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a Fast good engagement? How long gift? before a wedding should I send out How many save the dates? Are in the first series use of iMap the to playoffs. check email best on best other email clients. Identify fonts from where, from where to find. You we were Stuff welcome oh to the Voices of Search podcast. I'm your host Benjamin Shapiro and today we're going to talk to a world renowned SEO strategist who is known for getting his clients to outrank bigger better-funded competitors. Joining us is Deepak Shukla, who is the founder of Pearl Lemon, which is an award-winning SEO agency based in London that leverages a distributed team of SEO nerds to draw upon the best talent globally. Yesterday, Deepak and I talked about what's called coattail link building, the idea that you can mirror some of the link building strategies that people that are a little farther along have used to grow their brand. And today, we're going to continue the conversation by talking a little bit more about content and how you can scale a content team to create Here's my conversation with Deepak Shukla, founder of Pearl Lemon. Deepak, welcome back to the Voices of Search podcast.
1: Happy to be here again, Ben. Yeah, looking forward to it, sir.
0: Always a pleasure to have you as our guest. Yesterday, we talked about coattail link building, how to take links, how to find people that are in publications that you want to be on, and how to mirror some of the strategies that they're using to increase your link profile. Before you can do that, you need something very important. You need content, right? You need something that you can actually link to It's something that I struggle with. Oddly enough, You know, we produce a high volume of podcast content, but I don't really have my team doing a lot of writing. Talk to me about how you advise brands to scale the content production portion of their business.
1: Absolutely. I think that that's a challenge that we often come up as an SEO agency when we're talking to potential clients that everybody struggles with the content. And that was a problem that we had to solve practically because it inhibited our ability to just build more, build links and index keywords and everything that follows. So... To cut to the chase, there is globally a highly skilled, untrained labor workforce who are in the market to produce amazing content with the right direction. That content team is students and graduates. And both students and both graduates have received a level of academic training some of them are serial bloggers on the side, and many of them are looking to build up their writing portfolios. And many of them do seek direction in terms of how to write content for the web. The biggest challenge that a lot of businesses have is that they find it difficult perhaps to access some of these people slash students. And the second element of it is that they don't necessarily feel the in-house they have the skills to train them. So two things. I think with scaling the content team. Number one, it pays for every team internally to pay for some simple training so that they hold the IP with understanding how to do some basic keyword research and how to write a certain standard of content that's good for the web. Because once you have that, and let's just say that it's George and George is the owner of a manufacturing blog that writes about car parts as well as... Yeah, car parts. He he manufactures car parts. He He needs to create content around that. Then it would pay for George to hold that IP or at least to pay for someone to train him and to have the videos recorded. That would then become a training program. And then George would use that to ultimately then start hiring students. And there's students that you can hire for free legally. They're called students that are seeking academic credit. And they need to do unpaid work placements legally across the United States for their actual academic qualifications. So when you combine those two, you can find students that require a little bit of training to start producing content. And that's how you can start getting content on a regular basis. So I'm surprised.
0: It seems like there's a world of people that are professional content creators. God knows there's agencies that have been on the platform. We've had the CEO of text broker on... We found writers on Upwork and similar platforms, and we're paying, I don't know, less than 10 bucks USD per hour for somebody to create our content. Now, they're writing summaries and show notes for podcast content. They're listening to the content and synthesizing it. It's not a research page. Why are you going down the path of using students who aren't trained experts as opposed to people that are content writers when it's relatively inexpensive to pay somebody to produce content?
1: Absolutely. I think that there's a couple of things. Number one, the longevity of a relationship that you can build with someone who is in academia tends, in my experience, to be longer with a view to if you're looking to onboard a student who would then want to become full-time. Notwithstanding that, let's assume that that's not the case. You've got content that you want to produce. The good thing that I found amongst students is that they're willing to try anything. And what I mean by that is that we do have students who then say, look, I'd love to try my hand at PR. How do I pitch to do this, Deepak? I'd love to try doing this or doing that. So there's lots of work that they want to do that's out of scope, shall we say. And there is a lot of value that I find that we've had some of our best content writers who've started writing, let's say, five to 700 word guest posts. And then I'll say, do you know what? Do you want to try some PR as well? And they're like, yeah, I'd love to try anything. Give me a go. Can you show me how it works? And we'll send them across three or four tutorials on YouTube. And then they'll start writing or pitching, doing outreach to that extent. So I found amongst the student community, there's a higher desire to want to try new things with appropriate training. And I found that with the people per hour Upwork type of community, the relationship, just like you said, is much more transactional. And that I don't get a lot of the intangible value that I do with people that are looking to learn. And that's what I've seen comparatively. And also, If you get people on academic credit, they cost you nothing because they actually need to, as part of their degree, submit work experience with students. And I only discovered this through someone that I was paying, Lydia, who's now full-time with us. And then Lydia was like, oh, this is really weird. I'm not used to there being a paid internship. And I said, what do you mean? That's the rule. And she said, no, not if you do academic credit, look into it, then you don't pay at all. And I said, really? It exists? She said, sure. And there's a big um, network as well of companies that legally produce interns for you. So Christy, she's American educated. She's Chinese, but she's American educated. She works for us for six weeks, 10 hours a week. And it's required or stipulated by her university. So she's totally unpaid. And they roll on, roll off interns every six weeks. So we literally pay her zero because that's the academic stipulation. The company pays or sorts out her fees. So we have a relationship with that company now. And more of these companies exist. So I only discovered that when I went through the student route.
0: Interesting. All right. So you have a no cost workforce, and the cost is you're providing them with work experience, professional training. And then the other benefit is you get to figure out who's intelligent, who's a good worker, and you can continue the relationship with them because they're looking for longer term standing employment. Now, the risk of this strategy comes with you're hiring people that are not experienced. And so there's a quality and a quality assurance process that you have to go through That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Talk to me about how you make sure that the college kids that you're hiring to write content that is potentially going to be very visible is actually something that's worth your brand publishing.
1: So I think that the important part, as with anything, is being mindful of who produces what content. And there's different layers and levels of content. So there's in-field, detailed skyscraper, let's call it, to use that phrase, content that that is highly tactical, that someone who's just learning isn't probably the ideal person to produce content of that ilk. So Melanie, for example, she's been writing content for a couple of decades, is well filled in SEO, and she would write pieces that require that level of content. But for example, if I'm writing content about how to fix a WordPress admin login error, that's quite instructionally led, that has a high keyword search volume, but low difficulty, that is informational in nature, then that's a great example of where someone could research the topic and then produce content on that. So, if you take that into account and pick your battles, if you will, you can really strike the balance because Melanie's the wrong person to write that. And what typically tends to happen with content teams is that they give their best people the entry level, as well as the expert level content. Whereas really, if you've got a diverse content team, you can basically distribute it out evenly. And that's what I've discovered.
0: The responsibility is doled out in baby steps. And I think of this, uh, you know, with my kids, it's like my four-year-old, is just old enough to hold the popcorn when we go to the movies. But I wouldn't give it to the one-year-old, right? He can hold on to his uh, pacifier and he's actually not going to the movies with us. But moral of the story is, as we're getting through some of the tasks, you earn more responsibility with age and experience. So you are doling out responsibility to your content team appropriately. So you've you've figured out a way to find a low-cost workforce. Talk to me about scaling. You have to do the training. You have to understand who's writing what content. You have to go through quality assurance and then you actually have to do the publication, syndication. How do you train a team so you're actually scaling this up to 50 posts per month?
1: So then a couple of things. Number one, that that process will bring out or allow someone who's a natural leader to flourish. And then it's no different from building a team across any organization in that you record enough training videos that videos then get reproduced into written content. The writers can reproduce the videos in the form of written content because they're writers and that's fantastic. Then, once you've got some established processes, we have, for example, Pearl, who's now, who was our head of content, but then she joined the public relations team. She's come up with the exact same process. Pearl
0: works at Pearl Lemon. Do you have a lemon as well?
1: (laughs) Pearl at Pearl Lemon does our public relations. She was a student, came up similarly. She, went for academic credit, then she moved on to a paid internship program. Then I said, hey, you're finishing school, do you want a full-time job offer? During that process, she managed the entire recruitment process and the profiling and the standard keeping of this program, if you will. And then it's a win-win for everybody. In a worst-case scenario, the baby stepper people get dulled out with the informational level content. They're seeking some stuff for their academic credit, which is what they need to do less hours in school. And number two, they're seeking stuff for their actual portfolio. The ones that do, of course, do well and show promise, they can be kind of moved up. And when you have someone who's been through the process, and that's, of course, a one to one experience, i.e., that person will work directly with yourself, Ben, or with me, that person is then able to lead the whole process and to establish further process. So, using that, you can then get three to five people that are on different levels of that program to scale up your content. And that's the process that we followed. What's the
0: name of the book where the kids land on the island and the seashell with the conch? I know people that are listening to this podcast are sitting here being like, Oh, come on, say it already. What's the name of the book? I want to say The Call of the Wild. It's not The Call of the
1: Wild. It is Lord of the Flies. Is it Lord of the Flies?
0: Lord of the Flies. Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) What you're talking about is the Lord of the Flies strategy of content production. (laughs) Look, we're going to drop the kids off on an island. Here's some videos to go create some content. The people that get through and survive get to figure out how things work. They get to write the documentation. (laughs) They get to train the other people. And the next thing you know, you've got a trained team of, you know, 17, 18 year olds, maybe up to 21 that are writing your content and also training other people to do it. So you don't have to do any of the management.
1: Sounds so good. What could go wrong? Uh, I love Lemon. <laughs> Oh, masses. But that's why um, you have uh, internal test sites to do stuff for and you you let the children play in a safely guarded playground. So should things come or go astray, then it's covered or kept from clients, Uh, but then when it does,
0: yeah. You need a babysitter in here somewhere, right? That's the moral of the story is let's not go full Lord of the Flies. You know, maybe we'll do Boss Baby or something like that. But anyway, you can have, being a little sarcastic, the kids creating the content. You can have the kids teaching and training each other. Somebody needs to be responsible for the content team that has general overview and supervision. It's it's too good to be true to say, hey, you're not going to be involved in content production. Somebody has to be able to not only evaluate the content or your quality assurance, manage the
1: managers... But Which is also- where you have your special forces lady, the Melanie, who has the two decades of experience to run SenseCheck. So you would take an editor or someone in an editorial capacity to basically sense check anything before it goes out the door, thus maintaining a certain quality standard where that editor would either kick stuff back or say this one passes through the gauntlet.
0: There's a reason why we didn't call this episode Scaling a Content Team to Create 50 Blog Posts per Month for Free. It's because you do need to be paying for someone to manage the team. You could be doing it yourself. That's your labor cost. But there are opportunities to find talented, educated smart people. And if you're willing to go through the process of training them or let them train themselves in this case, you could really create a lot of content that's high value very quickly at a really low cost. And that wraps up this episode of the Voices of Search podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Deepak Shukla, founder of Pearl Lemon. In the third part of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Deepak and I are going to talk about free sources that generate 10 high quality links per month. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to contact Deepak, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is shukla one That's D-E-E-P-A-K-P. S-H-U-K-L-A, the number one. Or you could visit his company's website, which is pearllemon.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So, join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P R E V I S I B L E.io. And a special thanks to HREFs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore, thanks to HREFs. Because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S, dot com slash A-W-T. You can also send us your topic suggestions or your SEO questions, and you can even apply to be a guest speaker on the Voices of Search podcast. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on Twitter, and my personal handle is Ben J. -J Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day.